Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 19. That's where we'll center our thoughts today. Luke chapter 19. Here's the key concept this morning. It takes CPR to win the lost. Now, I'm going to need to explain those terms to you in a little bit, but that's the key idea, and I know that you'll catch it later on. CPR to win the lost. Let me ask you a question. When you look in the mirror, as you're finding Luke chapter 19, when you look in the mirror, do you see what you expect? Now, that might sound funny to you, but sometimes, you know, what we, when we see, what we see in the mirror is not what we expect. I'll put it this way. There are times when uh, I go through my day, and I don't feel any different than I felt 10 years ago. I don't feel any different than I felt 20 years ago. There are things that I think I can still do that I did 20 years ago, but then I look in the mirror, and I know that change has happened. Time has gone by, and that's the way it should be. We are meant to mature. We are meant to change and grow as time goes by. And churches also change and grow as time goes by. Quail Lakes Baptist Church at age 64, which is approximately our age, is not the same, doesn't look the same as it did at age 21 or age 10. And as we enter 2023, I think it's important for us to reestablish as a, a, a church family the vision we have for how we are going to accomplish our mission in the community of Stockton. Given the change, given the change in our community, the change in our, our, our own our fellowship, some time ago the leadership of Quail Lakes Baptist Church asked a simple question, and that is, how can we best carry out our mission. And what is our mission? Our mission is to win and build passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. That is why we are here in this community of Stockton. So we ask the question, well, how can that best happen? At the, and as the conclusion of the process of those discussions took place, we established a fairly simple tool which by, that we use to explain the vision for how we will accomplish our mission for the foreseeable future. And we call it the quail base path. I'm going to put a picture of that base path on the screen so you can see it. Now, this is the short answer to how we accomplish the, the mission. And it is uh, the, the fact that what we want to do is compel the people of Quail to go through the bases, if you will, of the Quail base path in order that we together might grow to be passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. While we keep that on the screen, let me give you a quick overview of the base path. First base is win, when we win the loss. Second base is build, where we build the believer up in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Third base is equip. You heard about that in the Divine Design uh, video in a moment. I'll talk about that in a bit. And then home plate is mobilized. This picture shows us this is the vision of the basic steps of how we grow people in Jesus Christ. And these, these bases, first base, second base, third base, and home place, these bases are not programs. They're not things that we want you to attend, but rather these bases are outcomes that we believe have spiritual merit. In other words, this is what we want to see happen in people's lives as they are part of the family of Quail Lakes Baptist Church. Therefore, the first base is win. 
and you, can, you have arrived at first base when you commit your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have been baptized as an outward testimony to that conversion that has already taken place. When that is a part of your experience, you are solidly standing on first base. That being said, much of what we do, much of what we fund will be to get people to that point through our outreach ministries, through our evangelistic ministries, through our missionary ministries. Some of the people that we are working to, to win uh, to Christ, you will never ever meet because we're, we're funding that work elsewhere in the world. But that is part of first base. That's what first base is all about. Second base is build. And you will have reached second base when you're able to articulate your conversion testimony and you have made an intentional decision to grow in Christ. Build includes things like going through the membership class and becoming involved in what I call the three levels of church life. I'm going to explain that to you next week in terms of what that means for us uh, as a body of believers. Build also means that you're going to have a desire to be in the Word of God yourself and studying the Word of God. And so you can see that much of what we do in our church program is actually build, building up the saints in the Lord. And there is a sense to which, really, you never, ever leave second base because we're always, as followers of Jesus Christ, meant to be growing in Jesus through our study times, through our prayer times, through our fellowship times and our service times being found in the Word of God also. But there's a third base, and third base we call equip. And you have, you'll, you're going to reach third base when you make a commitment to serve Jesus Christ according to your divine design. And when you want to live for Him, practicing the spiritual disciplines of Bible study and prayer and stewardship and worship and being obedient to biblical standards of living. The centerpiece of third base is what you heard about a moment ago, the Divine Design Seminar, where we come to understand the way that God has wired us. And then there's home plate. Home plate is mobilize. And you will reach home plate when you're serving the Lord in a way that fits your divine design. And the evidence is there that you are active for the kingdom of God. Now, that's an overview of the entire uh, base path, quail base path. And today and for the next few weeks, what I would like to do as we start this new year is, is uh, reestablish in our minds a, a deeper understanding of what happens in each of these outcome situations, each of these bases. So today I'm talking about first base. And first base is win the lost. Luke 19.10, this is what it says. Jesus is speaking and he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That is Jesus' reaction to uh, Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus is rejoicing about the salvation that he has found in Jesus Christ, Jesus understands that he is on mission to seek the lost. And he understood that all around him were people who needed the gospel message and the kingdom message of Jesus Christ. And ministry was found wherever he went, even along the way. Zacchaeus was along the road, and he saw him as an individual that needed uh, his salvation and hope. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus says these words to the disciples. He says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. 
When you look at the life of Jesus, we see that you don't have to hunt around for people who are lost, for people who need to come to Christ in saving faith. They are present with us in the journey of life, just like they were present with Jesus in his life. Jesus says, they're in the next village, they're in the next town, that's where I need to go. Let's open our eyes to see the need, he's saying to the disciples, and then let's go. And Jesus is still saying that to his church, to us. He's saying, open your eyes to the needs that are all around you for people to say yes to faith in Jesus Christ, and let's get going for God's glory. The application for us is we have to care about the lost, and we need to understand that, that, that in the initial skill in bringing lost people to Jesus Christ starts with opening our eyes to the lostness of the lost. The lostness of the lost. This past week, over the, over the uh, New Year's holidays, uh, Sylvia and I drove down to Palm Springs. We were trying to find some warm weather. We were not successful in that. But nonetheless, we, we drove down to Palm Springs, and on our way down, took us through Los Angeles, the outskirts of Los Angeles. And what did I encounter there? Traffic. I mean, hundreds of cars barely inching along both sides of the, of the, of, of the freeway. Everywhere I looked, I saw people sitting in their cars, bored faces, anxious faces, angry faces, you know? And I, and I thought to myself, as I'm thinking, seeing these hundreds of cars on all sides of the freeway, where are all these people going? Not just where are they all going in their cars so they're clogging up the road that I want to drive on, but where are they going for eternity? Where are all these people going? Next time you watch a football game, and the, the camera pans out, and you see this enormous stadium with hundreds of thousands of people sitting there watching that game. Ask yourself, how many of these people are headed for heaven? Or how many of them will die without hope and spend eternity in a real place of real suffering that the Bible calls hell? See, the Bible is clear that the people that we know Everyone we know who has not come to faith in Jesus Christ is going to experience what the Bible describes as the second death. Even nice people, even generous people, even kind people, even people that we love, if they haven't said yes to Jesus before they leave this life, they will experience the second death. And Jesus says to us, the fields are wide unto harvest, Notice the lostness of the lost and be willing to see the people all around you as eternal creatures that need salvation through Jesus. It brings a huge responsibility to believers once we really open our eyes to that reality. Sometimes we kind of put that on the shelf. We should never put that on the shelf. Everyone you speak to will live forever someplace. Where is that going to be? Our responsibility, therefore, starts with prayer, praying for the lost. In Mark chapter 1, again, verse 35, it says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus 
was a man of prayer. He felt the need to, to commune with his heavenly Father, intimate communion times with God. And I'm sure in those prayer times, many topics came up. I'm sure he prayed about many things, but part of what he prayed about for sure were the people around him who needed to hear about the kingdom of God and the work that he was sent to do. Do not lose the awareness of the lost in your circle of relationships. Do not lose the awareness that the lost in your circle of relationships are people on God's heart, people that Jesus died for, and we need to be praying for them. The striking thing about this prayer time that Jesus had is he got up early, he stayed long enough in prayer that it made a difference. There was an intensity about his ministry. And if Jesus needed that, that time alone with God to get focus, to get clarity, to get intention, we too need to be people of prayer, praying for the lost, so that we can make a spiritual difference in the circles of relationship that we have. And not only did Jesus gain communion with God in that prayer, he gained direction for his soul-winning strategy. Verse 38 of that same chapter says this, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. I quoted that verse uh, earlier to you. Jesus says those words just after he, he, he uh, gets up from his prayer time with the Father. He received in that prayer time not only encouragement and blessing, but he also received a sense of direction. He knows now what to do next in the mission that he has. And he saw the need to spread the word, to make the gospel go forward. It's about living out the strategy. And we need to understand the way that we, as a church family, live out the strategy to get people to first base, to win the lost. And that strategy, I mentioned it earlier, has to do with CPR. Those letters stand for this, this strategy. Number one, cultivate relationships with the unsaved. Number two, plant the seeds of the gospel in those relationships. And three, reap a harvest of souls, CPR. And it starts there with cultivate. Build relationships with people who need Jesus. You know, one of, the, one of the titles that people called Jesus when he was on earth was he was a friend of sinners. Now, that ne wasn't necessarily a compliment when it was said, a friend of sinners. How did he earn that title? He earned that title because he spent time with sinners. He spent time with people who needed the message that he was bringing intentionally building relationships, friendship relationships, into which he could insert the message of the kingdom of God. And part of what we do as a church, it must mirror that. We must build relationships with our neighbors around us, with the people that you bring to the, to the events that we sponsor here at church. Because the people around us who don't know Christ as personal Savior... Or maybe you're sitting here, you don't know Christ as personal Savior. But, but those who are in our circle of relationships need to understand that Christians are people too. Regular people who like to smile, who like to have fun, who like to, to enjoy themselves and that kind of thing. And that is why part of our strategy as a church is to sponsor activities that bring the community to us and simply have fun together things like snow day, things like 
a harvest carnival, like the Water Day event, those kinds of things, like delivering flowers to their doorsteps on Mother's Day weekend, cultivating relationships between our fellowship of believers and those who are around us and those are, who are your neighbors. Because to a non-church person, what we do here on Sunday morning is a mystery. And it's so much of a mystery that it borders in their minds as something either terrifying or absurd. You know, think about it for a moment. We sing to someone we can't see. We talk about someone who in their minds is long dead, and we talk about him as if he is with us and among us. That's either terrifying or absurd to those who aren't used to it, but it is really neither. As we cultivate relationships with the, those who don't know Christ as personal Savior, they come to understand that we are real people too, and the barriers to that begin to come down. Because unfortunately, the often repeated but accurate statistic is this. After two years of walking with Christ, the average adult Christian has no non-Christian who would call them friend. You might think you're friends with a non-Christian, but, but they don't call uh, you friend. Why? Because we don't spend time with them. Because we, we're not with them. We're not out, out there. We're not building relationships. And, and we need to work on that as individuals, and we need to work on that as a church family. Sometimes we need to separate from those relationships on purpose. I realize that. Because sometimes when we come to Christ, there needs to be a break because that relationship was taking us to a place that we, we, we don't want to go. But we don't want to leave all relationships behind because we have to have a toehold that we can speak the, in, into which we speak the gospel in people's lives. So step one is cultivate. Cultivate relationships with the unsaved. And then we want to plant the seeds of the gospel in those relationships. Jesus was not ashamed to live a life that was different, and, and, and the very difference in his life was the beginning of the planting of seeds of the, of the message of the kingdom of God. And he was not ashamed to speak the words of the kingdom of God. And we need to be willing to have planting conversations, to bring up who we are in Christ, to tell people that we're, we're praying for their situations, praying for their needs, and to speak into their lives, sometimes our own story of how we came to know Christ as personal Savior. In our program as a church, we construct occasions where the gospel message is, is planted. It may be through a piece of literature that's distributed, or it may be through a song that is sung, or a brief talk that is given. Maybe we're not in the planting ministries having an altar call per se, or, or that kind of thing, but the gospel is present so that the seed can be planted. And that needs to be a part of our church program, and it needs to be a part of our lives as we represent Jesus. And finally, the last part of CPR is reap. Reap a harvest of souls. Jesus was not ashamed to ask people to make a choice, to choose to believe the message that he was preaching. And, and reaping is part of what we do uh, uh, here in, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, work of evangelism. Well, we want to bring people to a decision for Christ. It happens sometimes on Sunday mornings as we bow and pray and, and ask people to make a decision. It happens in our prayer times after the service. It happens in our holiday outreach specials. And, and it should happen in all of our lives. We should be able 
to uh, explain the gospel to the point of asking a person to make a decision. And I wonder if you can do that as an individual. If you can explain the gospel and bring it to a point where you ask a person to make a decision for Jesus Christ, God will give you opportunities for that. And sometimes the very best way to do it is the very simplest way of all. And I like to use one particular verse when I'm explaining the gospel and bringing people to a decision, and that is Romans 6.23. It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'd like you to say that out loud with me. Would you repeat that together? Re ready? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That verse contains everything we need to explain the gospel to somebody else. Wages are the result. If you work, you want wages. That's the result of your work. And what Paul is saying there is that the result of sin is death. And all of us have sinned. And recognize that death is separation. You don't cease to exist when you die. When you die physically, the spiritual part of you is separated from the physical part of you. That's the first death. But the Bible tells us that there is a second death for those who don't know Christ as personal Savior when they physically die. And that second death is also separation, but it's separation from the spiritual part, uh, the spiritual part of that individual from God Himself in a place of suffering called hell. Both of these death experiences come from sin, but the second death can be avoided because Jesus took our place on the cross and God placed the guilt of our sin on Jesus and He paid the penalty and we now can be forgiven. And so when we face physical death, for us believers in Jesus Christ, all that is is a doorway into the presence of the Almighty and we are with Him in glory. The second death has no hold over us. It is avoidable. And we can explain that to the people we love and the people we know. You can do that. The average adult person who comes to Christ as personal Savior has had five positive uh, uh, contacts with Christian believers prior to making that decision. And in those positive contacts, someone has explained the gospel message in that way. We are in this together, and we must be able to do this. CPR, it's not a program, it's a principle. It's the, it's the principle that helps us create an environment where the people around us are ready to say yes to Jesus. And all of us need to live that out. And all of us see help get others to first base, win the lost. We are in this together. It's a church-wide effort. So you say, well, so what's my part in helping win the lost here at Quail Lakes Baptist Church? At the most basic level, your part begins with awareness. First of all, your awareness of the people in your relationship circle who need Jesus as their personal Savior. There are some. And secondly, it is their awareness that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. 
I'm talking about in the clubs, in the teams, in the activities, in the workplaces, in the schools, in the neighborhoods, in the conversations that we have. Do people know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Or are you an undercover Christian? God does not want undercover Christians. You have a personal faith relationship with Jesus if you know Him as Savior, but that is not a private religion. We are meant to be a part of winning the lost. Let people know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Let people know that you attend worship, that you, you read your Bible, that you pray. Begin that conversation. Maybe that conversation starts this way. This would help me out if you would start that conversation this way. My phone will be on silent on Sunday mornings because I'm at church, so I won't be answering the phone. That's a great way to stay, start that conversation. That would help us all out, by the way. Awareness. It's awareness is where it begins. Secondly, invitation. I hope that we make a commitment as a body of believers that 2023 is a year in which we will begin to invite people uh, who don't know Christ as personal Savior to the opportunities that we present here at Quail Lakes Baptist Church. It may be one of our outreach ministries or, or one of our holiday events or maybe a Bible study or maybe a worship service. Don't assume that they won't come. The saying that I like to use is this, don't say they're no for them by not bothering to invite them. We need to be inviting, and sometimes we need to be persistent, but your invitation does make a difference. And thirdly, witness. Share the gospel with others. Use that Romans 6.23 verse along with your own story of salvation and hope and see what God will do because He will help you be a part of winning the lost. And it's all based on a foundation of prayer. Pray for the people in your life who are on the heart of God, the people He wants to reach with His love. Now, I say it because in your outline today, inside your bulletin, on the bottom of the outline, there's a little space that I've left blank. And I've left that blank on purpose because what I'd like you to do for the remaining few moments that we have together is think about who in your circle of relationships you will be praying for that they will come to know Christ in 2023. And what I'd like you to do is just jot those names down on the bottom of that outline. Maybe you don't have an outline, just spend some time thinking about who that person or persons will be. Ryan is going to come and, and he's going to sing a song over us. And this song is just convicting to my heart that we must be about winning the lost. And as he sings the song, I'm going to ask you to determine to pray that, so that you can be a part of changing someone's eternity. Be aware, be inviting, be a witness, be in prayer. Who in your circle does God want you to win, to be a part of winning in 2023? Would you jot that down? First let me pray, and then as Ryan sings, just spend some time thinking that through. Heavenly Father, thank you that you call us to be a part of what you're doing that that this is not a selfish endeavor we don't do this just for ourselves by ourselves alone but rather we need to see the fields white unto harvest and we need to start lord jesus where you start and that is to pray for the lost there are people on your heart god that you want us to bring to christ help us to be a part of that in 2023 and we will give you the glory we pray all this 
in Jesus' name, amen.